Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 27 minutes now to 9 the time. Time for your Mediated Conversation this morning. Yesterday, the mayor of Joburg, Cabello Guamanda, said his administration was working to deal with hijacked buildings in the Joburg CBD after another fire in one of these buildings over the weekend. Two people died in that fire at the corner of Commissioner and Nugget Streets in a two-story hijacked building. As you will remember, last year at least 76 people died in the Umsun Diesel building uh, in that massive fire last year. After that fire, authorities said they'll deal with the situation regarding hijacked buildings, but it appears there's been very little progress. There's a, this is a very complex problem. You have buildings where the owners have disappeared. They've been taken over by landlords who use violence to extract money from people who live there. The people who live there are absolutely desperate to live there, so they, you can imagine all of the complications of this. And this situation is replicated or copied in so many parts of the country. You'll see it in Durban. You'll see it in other places as well. So then, has anything changed in the Joburg CBD, or is the situation exactly as it was last year? First this morning, you'll hear from the mayor, Cabello Guamanda. He spoke to SABC News yesterday. Then, Siabonga Mahlangu is the general secretary of the Inner City Federation, so civil society group of people who are also trying to reclaim hijacked and non-compliant buildings. Then Angela Rivers is the general manager of the Joburg Property Owners Association. And finally, Dr. Elvin Masarira is a professor in structural engineering. He's an adjunct professor in structural engineering at the University of Cape Town. We start then with the mayor of Joburg, El Jamar Az Cabello Guamanda, who spoke briefly to SABC News yesterday. So when, when I ascended into office, um, I had indicated that um, reclaiming the inner city was a priority. Now the 188 active cases have always been active. Uh, it is only when I ascended into the office and I demanded that there be um, a collaboration with other departments within the city that can render support. Um, and um, it's safe to say that uh, Group Legal took a proactive approach instead of a reactive one whenever we try to um, rescue victims and then um, we lose court battles. But this time around we went to the courts and we made those applications ourselves, citing the conditions in which uh, the, the, um, the occupants of those buildings have been subjected to, to, to give court a better understanding of why the city cannot allow those uh, occupations to prevail. And the court uh, was, was, um, was uh, nice enough to, to understand the fact that the city uh, is considerate and is trying to prevent um, tragedies from occurring going forward. But equally so, we needed to find a way to, to, to detensify uh, these overpopulated structures and to also uh, establish what mechanism can be deployed to repurpose them whether we need to reinstate the, the, the structure of the building, whether we need to find um, or in partnership with national government find property developers that will take over the responsibility through a lease or to completely demolish them is, is a plan that is ongoing because it's a constant stakeholder engagement. We need to engage all affected parties that are, that are involved in this. Um, I cited earlier on that uh, I'll be sitting in a inner city partnership forum which has got critical stakeholders, those that we'd want to involve in our final decision making on the cause of action in saying that this is what we are doing and this is a high impact program starting with the 11 uh, judgments that we have. Let us make something of it.
That's the mayor of Joburg, Cabello Guamanda, speaking to SABC News yesterday. You're with SAFM, and it's here now from Sebonga Machlangu, the General Secretary of Inner City Federation. It's a group that are in the process of reclaiming hijacked buildings in the Joburg CBD. Sebonga, good morning, and thank you for your time. Uh, good morning, good morning, and thank you for having me. We heard from the mayor there, and we all remember the big promises that were made last year that the city would deal with hijacked buildings. Has anything changed in the Joburg CBD since then? Um, no, there is no change. Um, the reason why there is no change is because they want to work in silo. They want to sideline the people who are directly affected by um, the, the cause of the fire. Uh, that's why there is no change at all. So there's still then uh, thousands, maybe more, but thousands of people living in these buildings in very dangerous conditions. Yes, that, that, that's a one stop because the city is failing the residents. Remember, it's the city's duty um, to provide proper housing to those who can't uh, afford to have them, uh, those proper housing by themselves. Um, the people who control these buildings, so these are landlords, but they often don't own the building. How do they control the building? They're often the, the people who've hijacked it from the owner. Um, let me clarify this to you so that you can have a better understanding. This building has been occupied. There is no one who's collecting rent in this building. But people, they contribute to what to pay basic services for those who have the basic services. They contribute to buy their cleaning stuff. There is no one who's a, a landlord in this occupied building. That has been um, set for several times to the city of Johannesburg. Um, we even uh, said to them they should come to, get, uh, to board so that you can work together and prove what we are saying to them. But they don't want to punch in and work together with us. Instead, they keep on finger pointing to us that we are stopping the progress. Okay, so... We don't know what kind of a progress they are talking about. Because the idea I had in my head, you say this idea was wrong, um, was that you had people who had controlled these buildings and used violence to get rent from people. You're saying that doesn't happen? No, no, I can assure you. Okay. The people then who are living there, uh, who is living there? These are people who want to work in the Joburg CBD, I presume. Yes, the most people that are living in this particular building are street traders, um, uh, uh, waste pickers, and then domestic workers, taxi drivers. Those are the people that are living mostly in this particular building. The city, part of what the city is doing, uh, the mayor says they've gone to court, they've won 11, I think it's nine of the 11 cases, where they want to evict the people living in these buildings. Do you think that's the right way to approach it? Is that the right response to move people out? No, it's not the right um, uh, 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 way to do things because they've got their own bylaw that uh, tells them what they need to do in these bad buildings, but they don't follow the bad bylaw. They've got a clear bylaw, a nice bylaw in terms of Section 7 on the city bylaws that says what needs to be done by the city when it comes to bad buildings. So what do you believe, how do you think the city should approach this then? We've got these people in these buildings. It's a dangerous situation. You say they shouldn't just evict people. How should the city deal with it? Um, the city has to come together and work together with the, the residents who are residing in those buildings. The residents, they are willing to contribute something in which way that the city can communicate with them so that they can improve the standard of their living. But the city, they want to uh, to downgrade even 
more and more the standard of those people. If they are evicting them, the only yeah, temporal image and accommodation that has been given to them is tents or shacks. Hmm. So, so they are not improving any standard of living if they are doing so. I, pre- I presume then the people in these buildings don't trust the city at all. That's correct. That's correct because of the way that they are conducting themselves. Is there any room for negotiation? Is there any way to start negotiations here to deal with this? We've been calling the city since 2017. Up until today, we are still calling to them to say, let us sit and try to work together so that we can resolve the solution. But what they are doing, they say, no, what they want to do is to evict people. Thank you, General Secretary of the Inner City Federation. It's a civil society group that says in Joburg that says they're trying to sort of deal with this problem, try and help people there. 18 minutes to nine. Your mediated conversation continues around the problem of hijacked buildings in the Joburg CBD. As I said, a problem that uh, you'll see in many parts of the country at the moment. Angela Rivers is the General Manager of the Joburg Property Owners Association. Angela, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. You represent people who own properties in the Joburg CBD. Have you seen any changes? We've heard the promises from the mayor. Has anything changed since last year? So um, what we have seen is um, there was a mad rush the month after the fire where the city put together a multidisciplinary team that went and did building inspections, you know, building by building. It consisted of um, building inspectors, health inspectors, um, various health departments, um, City Power, Joburg Water. It was a big team. They had big, bright um, bibs on, and they went from building to building. But what we noticed was they were going to our members' well-managed, well-looked-after buildings and finding us for really silly things like the property is um, on a zoning for um, commercial, but we're using it as a residential, even though we've done an application for residential use, they were then finding us for incorrect usage. We did see one or two hijacked buildings that they did go and inspect. Um, one that I know of, Remington House, was eventually evicted on the 15th of November last year. Um, and I can tell you people were paying rent there. They were paying about 600 rand a month rent because I went into the building the day after the eviction um, to see the state of it and to speak to some of the residents. So people were paying rent. Um, they were, the hijackers in that property were making about 600,000 rand a month tax-free, not paying utilities. There was no water or electricity in the building at all. Um. So then, basically, most of these hijacked buildings are still just hijacked buildings, and you're suggesting, in fact, the city targeted your members. Exactly. And I can tell you, our membership base, we house over 75,000 residents in the inner city. Our buildings are well-managed, well-maintained, well-looked-after. There's a couple of thousand buildings in the inner city. The list that I have, there's only about 60 hijacked buildings that we know of in the inner city, half of which are owned by local provincial governments. So they're city-owned buildings that have been hijacked. Um, And it's very difficult for um, legitimate landlords. You know, we have a huge issue at the moment where insurance companies are threatening to pull out of the inner city because it's now become a fire risk, where our members' buildings... If there is a fire, it's put out immediately. We're very fire compliant. And this is where there's kind of um, this really misinformation going around. 
And if you look at it, if you've got thousands of buildings and only 60 are hijacked, it is a manageable mm. issue that can be resolved if the city works with the private sector. They cannot do it on their own. They need to bring in as many people as possible so we can all work together. What impact do the hijacked buildings have on other buildings? You say it's a very small proportion, and that's obviously true. But if one building is hijacked, what happens to the other buildings on the same block? It's, it's horrific. I can give you an example. There's a city-owned building called Casimir, which was actually the city's alternative accommodation, which has been hijacked. It's in Berea. And our members' buildings are you know, around Casimir, and they cannot rent out any flats that back onto Casimir because gunshots go through the window, they throw beer cans, it's um, very dangerous for the tenants living next to a hijacked building. They ultimately always get mugged or um, you know, their cell phones stolen. We've had incidents with Casimir where security guards have been shot outside the building. It is not not all buildings are safe havens for criminals, but for opportunistic criminals, it's very easy for them to get into a hijacked building. Um, I must say what uh, Sia Bonga said, it's very important to understand that the people that are living in these buildings are people who fall fall out of the formal housing sector. So they are your um, informal traders, your uh, waste pickers. They don't have pay slips, bank statements, and any kind of, in some cases, they don't even have IDs. Um, and to stay in any kind of accommodation in the inner city, you need that those are the minimum requirements. So the big question is, you know, what do we do about people who fall out of the formal sector of housing and how do we deal with that so we don't end up with these informal housing situations? Is the city talking to anyone? Siobhanga uh, Mahlangu suggested earlier that they would, the city was sort of talk, walk, working in a silo. Is there any kind of effort involving all the role players here? Absolutely not. I have not seen anything. Um, last week, um, a group of very um, high-level private sector individuals put together a task, a, a, an anti-hijacking task team. The city was invited and no one showed up. Um, so together, we will be putting a plan together and presenting it to the city on what we think is the solution. Um, obviously, I can't go into too much detail because we're still in the planning process, but that is that is what we are doing in the private sector. But so far, I mean, I've been pretty vocal in the press. No one has contacted me. No one has engaged with any of my members to see how we can work together. Um, they just It seems like they're just not interested in working with the private sector at all. And the police don't seem to be involved in this at all. I mean, people go into a building and that's that. And then, of course, the police can't just evict someone either. They would also need a court order. Absolutely. The police, you know, I work very closely with SAP Central Police Station. Um, they're very proactive. They do as much as they can on the street, but without an eviction order, they are very limited as well. Um, what we have found is in a lot of incidences where we have got eviction orders or we have got what we call a level three disconnection. So a property owner can put in, <clears throat> can put in an application to have their water or electricity, sorry, <clears throat> their water electricity disconnected at a level three, which means they come in, they take out the infrastructure, the hijackers will then attack the police. So it becomes very dangerous for them in those situations because the hijackers are armed and they will protect their assets, what their redeemed assets. Um, if all of this continues, it would seem very difficult to believe there'll be more investment in the Joburg CBD and only because of around 60 buildings. 
That is correct. And, you know, it's very difficult for us as a, an organization because our members have pumped billions and billions and billions of rand into the inner city. I mean, you just have to look at places like Jewel City and the work that AFCO does, the student accommodation. You know, it's there's the assets and the, that they, and the money that they've put into upgrading these buildings. Um, we can't afford to walk away. So our only option is to keep fighting for the city to fix up these buildings and to fix up the inner city. Um, it's just, you know, especially now with the risk of insurances, insurance companies pulling out as well, you know, we've got to, we've got to fight this as much as we can because we can't afford to let this walk, walk away and let the city become totally ruined. Angela Rivers, thank you very much indeed. The General Manager at the Joburg Property Owners Association really appreciate the time. Ten minutes to nine. In a moment, your mediated conversation will continue with the structural engineer, Professor Elvin Masarira. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continue your mediated conversation this morning around the situation in the Joburg CBD. Eight minutes to nine. Uh, looking at hijacked buildings, Professor Elvin Masarira is a professor in structural engineering at the University of Cape Town. <coughs> professor Masarira, good morning and thank you for your time. Good morning, Stephen, and um, thanks for having me. These buildings were built a long time ago, and they're often built as office blocks or some kind of administration building. But now people are living in them. Is it really safe for people to do this? These buildings weren't designed for accommodation. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a challenge we 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 are facing. Now, the buildings were never designed for for accommodation. I mean, some of them. I don't know all of them. Um, so they're not compliant. Um, besides the fact that they were not built for accommodation, I mean, they haven't been maintained over years. So because there's a difference between the building design um, and maintenance issues. So you could build a building which is compliant now, but if you don't maintain it or you modify it inside the building, as, as I suspect, they have been uh, putting more partitions, putting flammable materials, um, refuse, combustible materials, it finally becomes non-compliant. So I just want to talk a little bit about the structure of this because you are a structural engineer. So you have a building, let's say it's 10 stories high, say it was built 50 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever. What kind of maintenance, what kind of checks do you need to do on the actual structure of the building to make sure it's safe? Okay. Um, structurally, it might be safe in terms of load bearing, um, in terms of that it can carry the weight. But when it comes to fire, um, there are a couple of things which need to be in place. Uh, first of all, the, the partitioning, for example, it must be fire resistant to an extent. Okay, I mean, at some point, things bad. Um, partitioning walls, fire doors, escape routes, fire protection systems. Do you have sprinklers? Do you have fire extinguishers? Um, and all that needs to be to be in place. So, so, so what you what you get is the landlord is is, is responsible to make sure that the, the building is, is compliant. So there must be checks, inspections, maintenance done. Um, and if it's not done, then the landlord is, is liable. Um, that that yeah. So the, the, the bricks and mortar might be fine, but if you start having mm. drywalling inside, because people put cardboards, boards, to, to, to create more, more rooms inside the building. Mm. That should not be allowed um, because, because it's, not, it's, not, it's not safe in terms of fire. We're talking about fire only, yeah.
Yeah. And, and I mean, also, I'm sure that in some cases, people desperate for accommodation are living in the stairwell. They'll be living between floors even. There'll be people sleeping there just because there's nowhere else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so, so, so you're basically, you basically closing down the escape routes. Um, and, and, and as soon as you start having, you see, household goods generally are flammable. You have, you have, you have clothing, you have bedding, you have maybe couches and, and chairs. Uh, you, 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 you basically create um, what you call a fire load. So basically you're creating fuel for any, mm. any minor ignition. Which might be, oh, and another thing as well, um, people start cooking using gas or, mm. or, or, or illegal connections for electricity. Um, now it's, it's, it's a nightmare. And, and, and when it's cold, maybe it makes fire, real fire from firewood inside those buildings. Um, overcrowding, no, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Um, the other thing is, you know, um, a lot of buildings have these sprinkler systems in them. That would have been a requirement. But they, those don't just work. Someone needs to check them quite often, otherwise they won't work. Yeah, yeah, they, they need to be checked. You see, the, the, with, um, with public spaces, if we're public spaces, like, say, schools, hospitals, even shopping malls, um, there is, we, we can, we, 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 we know who to complain to, if, or to say who is checked. It's easy to actually event to demand that a school is compliant, uh, because there are many, many stakeholders there. But if it's a building in the middle of CBD, Johannesburg, and no one knows who owns it, um, city council with its inspectors must actually inspect those buildings and, and then call the, the landlord to task if they are not compliant. But um, I don't think it happens as, as, as well as it should. Um, within all of this, to try and, if, if, for example, these buildings are reclaimed, to try and make them compliant again would actually cost a lot of money. I mean, it wouldn't be an easy, it, it, it would take a long time to do as well. Yeah, it it would, and and, and and I don't think the, the, the big challenge the city is, is having is not a big cost. Look, we can we can reclaim them. The problem is what you do with the people who are living there. I think that's I think that's the socio-economic uh, political dynamic which 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 is at play here. Uh, because if we have um, a building, two-story building, and we have how I many people, two hundred people living there, for us to get that building back to its um, to a good state uh, in terms of compliance, it means we need to evict the people out of there. First of all, so that we just get access to the building, and and I think that's 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 if if the building was empty, um, we could start somewhere. Um, so I, I I don't I don't I don't know I don't know um how this can be solved, unless there's alternative accommodation, uh, which has been the, the argument made by by many, and and so that, that that's why we we are where we are. Um, I suppose the other question, and I mean, there's so many different things that come out of all of this, because it is clear that um, it's going to be very difficult for anyone to go into the building. When you actually have a fire, the building could be very badly damaged. Um, and then you've got to then demolish the building. And that's difficult as well. Never mind, of course, the people who you know might lose their lives in such a fire or be, be hurt by it. But you can't just leave a building like the Umson Diesel building. Someone actually has to do something with the remains of it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, um, yeah. You can't leave the building empty um, for long. I mean, because it, it, it new tenants um, will we, we, we'll move in. Somebody will take over the building. Um, it, 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 it is a challenge um, which, which, which the city and, and, and the government has to, 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 to deal with. How do you make um, look? It's unsafe condition. I mean, that's first. It's an unsafe condition, and it's always a nightmare when they find those buildings. Um, just to get a fire truck, for example, in the area, or even make sure that the fire hydrants nearby work. And um, 
and and to evict people and to get people out, evacuate people out, and then afterwards, what do you do with the space? Um, you have to demolish the place. Um, some of them, I don't think they are even um, worth trying to rehabilitate. I think they they have been so run down over time that uh, it's just demolish them and put them in building. Uh, Professor Elvin Masarira, thank you very much indeed. Professor in Structural Engineering at the University of Cape Town, really appreciate the time. My thanks also to Angela Rivers, uh, the General Manager of the Joburg Property Owners Association. Siobonga Machlangu is the General Secretary of the Inner City Federation. And starting us off today, that clip uh, from SABC News of Cabello Guamanda, the uh, the, um, Al-Jamar mayor in the city of Johannesburg.